Well, folks, welcome back to the Woodstand here at Offshore Europe 2023. Uh, we're here as part of the official podcast, and today we're going to be recording another uh, episode where we get some insights from industry experts and thought leaders um, about the issues that matter most to the energy industry. My name is Colin Ross. I am delighted to be hosting this episode uh, today. And we're going to be talking about the impact of digital technologies on the energy industry, and in particular, we're going to be exploring the fascinating world of Digital Twin. I'm really excited to be joined today by three excellent contributors. Um, first of all, Rob Kennedy. Rob is the Global Director of Digital Twin Solutions at Wood. Um, Mike Grant is uh, Information Management Discipline Lead at BT. Yep. Did I get that right, Mike? It is, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> and then Amy's joining us. Amy is Vice President of Digital Operations at Wood. So welcome. Really great to have you all here. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much for joining. Um, Maybe as we just get started to, to set the scene, um, Rob, I'm going to come to you. Uh, you just delivered a presentation on Digital Twin as yeah. part of the technical program. So how did that go? And, and maybe what were the kind of key takeaways from your presentation? Yeah, it went well. Um, I think the key takeaway really is that the time of thinking of Digital Twins just as a technological fascination um, are kind of behind us. And we now need to put them to work and actually use them to drive business transformation and drive value and return on investment in them. Excellent. Mike, at BT, you've been doing a lot of work in Digital Twin. And yep. What would you, what would you add to, to uh, what Rob's saying today? Yeah, it's just nice being able to take the data in its native format, present it in a new way of seeing it virtually, and it opens up whole new ways of working, different viewpoints. Uh, oh, no, it's brilliant. Excellent. Amy, you two part in, or you, you, you watched in your... your... <laughs> yeah, it was a really good, actually, Rob, to really unpick that beyond the technological solution piece. I think Digital Twin has really been spoken about in terms of technology for a long time. What Wood and BP have been working together to do is really bring the user and the business case into that. And you spoke about that very eloquently, yeah. the need for people and process actually to be a key part of Digital yeah. Twin planning and strategy. Yeah, and I, and I think it's so important because we see so many of these technology projects, they're flash in the pan. Someone is really excited about them. We go, we invest money, we put time and effort into it, and then just kind of peters out to nothing because no one uses it, not creating any value, it's not creating any return. It's not transforming the way people are working in the business. Yeah. So it's so important that we start off the journey by understanding well, what are the business challenges, what are the opportunities that we're trying to exploit um, and how are we actually going to drive value to our business? And, you know, the digital twin and the information, just part of the how, it's not the what. Yeah, absolutely. And I really would love to draw out today the kind of practical, real examples of this, because I guess, you know, as, as an onlooker, I think one of the things that's a bit challenging about the digital landscape in general, especially as it applies to the energy industry, is there's loads of noise, loads of buzzwords, a lot of talk, maybe a lot of playing around and, and figuring stuff out. And I, and I guess I want to get really really practical in fact i was reading an article last night that was talking about how it was time for digital twin to grow up yeah. and actually really show some value so mike i'd love to hear a little bit about your experiences at bp you've worked with wood you've worked in general to, yeah. to implement a, an operational digital twin in the north sea what kind of returns have you seen how's that changed the business what's that looked like it's it's actually really changed the business within bp the ways of working the processes We've been able to have become more efficient, uh, just providing all of the data, seeing it properly, linking with uh, 
different do job specs. So now when you can go and have a scope of work, you can actually see all the requirements, all the data. You can visualize it, whether it's across multiple levels, if you need scaffolding, insulation removed, and it just makes it more efficient. It allows more people to be more focused and productive offshore. There is a proper scope. You're no longer sending a tech offshore, waiting for additional equipment or another measurement. It's all at your fingertips. And as a result, uh, BP are really back in the digital innovation. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that's been the most interesting thing for Wood. We've been involved with this project for three or four years now. Yep. And so there was the original uh, reason that we, we got together to look at maintenance efficiencies and to look at reducing personnel on board. But actually, it has really evolved. And we've been very engaged in that over the last few years, working with users to understand actually what it, do they need from the digital twin? How will it benefit them? How will it benefit the business? What are those business yep. cases? And I think that level of engagement has really helped us to drive forward with the digital twin because people are using it in their day-to-day -day lives, it's making their jobs easier. And so they're immediately then beginning to think, what else can it do? Can I add this in? Can I add that? And, and you know, that, that real flexible approach to it. So it's not just about technology. That's exactly what we've found. Uh, the, the more people see what's available in the twin, we are getting more and more data sets being provided to us. Things that you just wouldn't imagine having iris actions recorded in. So when you're putting out a scope of work, you can see what regular things happen, incidents, if something's happened, then you can tell that story, account for them. Uh, different information coming in, methane drone footage. It's like, can we put this in the twin? It's like, let's try it. And that's what we'll find. And you start coming more and more people that are engaged more they become a sense of ownership because their data is being shown and then that builds engagement further. It's interesting. When we were chatting the other day, I was I was talking about the idea of an iPad, right? So I'm sitting here with an iPad on my, on my lap and, and at, at one point, some I think everybody was like, well, why do I need a big phone? What, what do we do yep. with that? But exactly. in many respects, it's then become now the point where you can, my kids certainly can't imagine a life without an iPad, you know? So, so suddenly there's all these applications you didn't necessarily... Yep. Oh, that's what you're looking for. Is, is, is that similar in the digital twin space, Rob? Yeah, I think so. I think Mike articulated really nicely, right? You start to, you know, you build this little kernel um, and you start getting, a, a, you know, a, a little bit of um, momentum going. You can start getting people engaged and interested. And then it, it just sort of snowballs from there. And, um, you know, it's, I think as soon as people realize that using a digital twin is a, a way of just giving them the information that they need to do their job, to support the decisions they need to make day to day. And, you know, as, as Mike put it, you know, just give them all the information that they need at their fingertips in context. Yeah. It, it's completely um, revolutionary. But, uh, you know, I think we get so caught up in different ideas of what a digital twin is that people get a little bit, you know, maybe turned off by the technology aspect sometimes. But when it's done well and you actually have the users driving it, they, they just understand how it's important to their work. And like Mike says, you know, it's just, well, can it do this? Can it do this? Well, why, can, why not? That's a really difficult part of my job. Okay, let's look at it. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road. People using the thing you deliver is what creates the value, yeah. right? People don't use it. It's, you know, it's a, a nice thought experiment sat on the shelf. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think the key really is everything that Rob's speaking about there that trust within the system, that ability to engage with the system is based upon data and data accuracy. And that's something that I yeah. know BP 
um, with, you know, Woodstock, I've worked really hard to get into a good place as they've built the digital trend to make sure that the data that's going into it is correct and verified, but actually that it's maintained and sustained as we move forward. And that's back to everything that you were speaking about this morning around processes and governance and standards and making yep. sure that they continue to trust the twin. Because the minute people are finding information in there that they can't verify or that they feel is incorrect, you lose some of that trust and then the engagement. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's such a that's such a key part in terms of, you know, making sure that you've got a, a very narrow window to capture people's attention, right? And the last thing you want to do is put something in their hands, present them with a piece of information that they know to be incorrect. And all of a sudden, all the good work you've done, you've completely undermined. And they're not going to go to the digital twin to get that information anymore. They're going to go back to their documents or some other system. So, you know, it's so, so important that particularly from a data aspect, I think, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the converted here, right? But um, the data and making sure that we are gathering and assuring the right data, uh, presenting it to the, to the right people at the right time is so, so important. And, yeah. and the digital twin, it's just the vehicle to, to do that, right? That's, it. That's what I like to refer to as our system of insight. You have all the information in your system of records where it's validated, all the verification is in place. But when you put it into a portal through a system of insight, you can start seeing all the nuggets, linking it together, and that's where it becomes more powerful. Absolutely. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm interested. So, you know, digital twin, a couple of ways you could look at it. You can, you can look at it in a greenfield context. So all the time we're, you know, we're doing projects and we're delivering a digital twin in parallel to that. So you've got that nice from the beginning yep. data set. In this context and in this example, it was it was retrofitted effectively into existing assets and operations setting. Yeah. How much of a challenge was that? Was that, you know, how, how do you overcome that? And what does that look like? And uh, I'm just curious, Mike, maybe your thoughts. And I'd love to hear from Amy as well. Yeah, no, it has been a long journey. Uh, I think it was started about five, six years ago. And there was an initiative to align all of the data within BP. We had it over multiple different systems. So bringing it in to have one standard system, action sort of like putting together some common practices, different same ways of working. Then you get your data aligned. Uh, I like to say it's like a box of Lego. So you're giving your data, here's a box of Lego. And BP worked with Wood to sort it out into the different colors, then into the different sizes. But once you've got this all sorted, you can start making whatever model you want. You can make a house that is a focus from that data. But then if you go and make a car with it, it's the same information, the same blocks of Lego, but you see it from a specific viewpoint. So you have the maintenance team looking at it from this side, the drilling and ops team looking at it from another side, but it's all standard data that has been validated. It's being maintained now as well to a constant standard. And that is the most important thing about it is getting the data. It's the foundations that everything sits upon. Otherwise, you've just got a pretty picture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you make a differentiator there. So we do do a lot of work in that greenfield space. And actually, the key there really is almost to work backwards from operations. So how do we need to use data within operations? And so therefore, how do we want to gather and collate it and stack it within the projects piece? And how do we want to hand that data over? And does that even need to be a handover? Is there a smooth transition through that as a sort of life cycle information management piece? So that's really interesting, but we're not in that space with <laughs> yep. brownfield assets. Um, and it certainly is challenging, uh, particularly where you're looking at 
you know, multiple assets, maybe 20, 30 year old assets. So that, yeah. that information, there's all sorts of data stored in all sorts of systems. One of the key successes I think with BP was that we didn't go with a new technology as a solve all. We didn't say, right, this is one technology, put all of your data in there and we'll make that work. We've actually stacked together different solutions and different systems, mm -hmm. but actually really created that ecosystem. So that's helped us to chunk up the job, I think. And also that back to the engagement piece as well, it means that we're not continually introducing new systems to users. It's systems they're familiar with. There are processes which we would obviously look to uh, enhance, but there are processes there in place that they are familiar with, but the output, the insight yeah. is different and is adding huge value to them. Excellent. I, I'm a real storyteller, right? As you might imagine. <laughs> and, and I guess what I'm, I'd love to hear is, is, is there stories of, you know, you talked about perhaps going into the project thinking we're going to see value in this space but actually we were surprised by the application that we found in reality or is there is there a story of that or is there a story of just like what's your favorite thing aha moment in that digital twin story mike have you got any thoughts that spring to mind i think the one i mentioned earlier was about there's constant methane drones unmanned drones getting out around the north sea taking readings and when you see this data it's like right we've done the top sides We've got the readings in from Pi Vision and everything. What data set can we look at? So I reached out to uh, the team, said, can we get that data from the methane drones? So you have the readings and a GPS coordinate. But when you put that and overlay it on the platform, you can see the patterns, you can color code it, and you can look to see if there's anything that can help or to show that, yeah, you are meeting all the regulatory requirements comfortably in a picture, you can cut and paste it into a diagram. Uh, and it was that aha moment. It's like, right, what else can we take? We've taken the, the usual data sets, but what are the out there data sets that we can start looking at? Uh, and that's where the, the excitement's coming as well with being involved in some of the wind farms. It's like, how can you make a digital twin, not only from oil and gas and platforms, but from the wind farm, and get the readings from across it, see patterns, and that's where the value comes. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, you want to come in, Rob? Yeah, I guess I'm just struck by something Mike said, and I think it's um, maybe something I've just realised, which seems kind of funny to say, yeah. but you know, uh, people are maybe tolerant of the technology, you know, being a bit clunky, um, and it maybe not working exactly how they want it to, if it's giving them the data they need flip it around they can have the shiniest most beautiful technology and if it's providing them junk information well they're yeah. going to go elsewhere right so i think you know i do wonder if one of the key success factors to to the bp work was actually there was a huge amount of groundwork laid looking at the data getting it all in shape before yeah. we tried putting it in the hands of the user and exposing it to them through that system of insight um uh, yeah, and I do think that's, you know, a, a really key point that we don't see elsewhere sometimes where people are very technology forward and then end up having to come behind and pick up the pieces with the data because people aren't using the, the tool that they've just spent, you know, a million dollars on implementing. So, um, that you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a bit of an aha moment for me right here, maybe. <laughs> and I guess there's something there about you know being able to pair up the the domain expertise of somebody like wood and, and obviously of bp 
with the tool rather than just an IT project that's maybe delivered by an IT organization. It's going to drive some more value, Amy, right? Yeah, absolutely. That engagement between the kind of deep domain expertise knowledge and our data management expertise as well, that's really, I think, been a game changer for this particular solution, but for solutions in the way in which we're looking at building digital twin. The engagement at the beginning with those deep domain expertise involved and looking at that advisory piece around actually what is the strategy here and I think Rob, you spoke about it earlier very eloquently where we need to engage with the leadership. So we need to have that high level view of what that strategy is. But we also need to engage with those end users. We need to bring them in right at the very beginning and understand what are the problems we're trying to solve and actually then use our domain expertise. to how can we solve those problems? It's much broader than just finding a technology solution. It's actually around understanding how we can bring value through digital. Um, I mentioned earlier that I think one of the key things is about really trying to make sure we do deliver value with these kind of projects. So just to pull on that thread a little bit, have we got any examples? I mean, Rob, you see across all sorts of clients and all sorts of projects that we're working on. Any good examples of, of you know, real metrics that we're seeing, real improvements that we're seeing? I guess I'm going to kind of put it on a on a data sheet of this is where we, we achieved something ex extra special because of Digital Twin. Yeah, look, the, there are so many examples I could pull from. Maybe let me preface it by saying, you know, what's important to one operator sure. uh, may be very different to what's important to uh, another operator. Um, you know, the, some of the challenges BP had are very universal amongst offshore operators. It's about, you know, they are constrained with POB all the time and they want to reduce the level of people offshore doing low value work um, and free up bed space for more high value work. Um, so we've got some you know, really good examples with, you know, with reasonably basic data and reasonably basic tools, you can actually remove hundreds of um, offshore days from an asset every single year without really um, any impact to the ongoing operation of the asset. But then that's additional bed space you have to do critical maintenance work, for instance. Um, so, you know, that's a very tangible example. Um, there's a lot of, you know, not just in oil and gas and not just in tech, but there's this huge AI buzz at the moment, right? So, um, and we we want to apply AI to all these different facets of our, you know, our home lives, uh, our work. Um, and maybe I'm, I'm color me a skeptic, right? But there's so much untapped potential from just applying, to Amy's point before, applying the right minds to the right data to drive some really, really valuable insights that actually make a, a big difference to the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, and that that's the bit that, you know, really, really excites me. Not the shiny new chatbots. <laughs> um, yeah. Mike, when you're, uh, when you're sort of justifying digital twin expenditure in, yes. in BP, what, what, what's the kind of thing that you show off? What, what do you get excited oh, about in terms of results? The, a great result that we had was last year with a turnaround on one of our assets. And the whole planning phase was utilizing the digital twin so with the data that was built up through standardizing everything that would helped with with the tying in with the users and the turnaround teams uh, the impact of being able to plan the whole tar onshore with three visits to the platform made a huge impact and when you have that on a regular basis with multiple assets it soon adds up and this is just one little thing it made a difference. It was a lot more cohesive. It's, yeah, it was a successful tour. Brilliant. So, and that was just being able to provide everything, have a scanner, 
link all the data in together. Yeah, I, I think it's well, like it, it's, it's really interesting to me, you know, Mike touched on this earlier, you start to find all these new use cases from the digital twin. Um, and actually, I've thought of a really good example that escaped me before, but it's some work we've been doing recently with actually in the greenfield space um, with a customer in the Middle East as actually we've used a digital twin to mitigate over a billion dollars of discrepancy risk with right. their data. And um, that, you know, if left unchecked, that discrepancy could lead to the wrong equipment being ordered, it being ordered to the wrong spec and, and ultimately, you know, needing to be uh, addressed down the road, which maybe leads to, you know, delays, rework, etc. And um, that one is really interesting because that's never, you know, we're often really focused on the, the physicality of the asset and the operations in the asset and how we can make people's lives easier. But actually, there are so many different areas where we can add value. I, I think we've only scraped the surface. Oh, definitely. And it's these intangibles that you, can, you can't put a figure on. Uh, emergency response. When you start having a digital twin there, if there is regretfully an incident, you can see real-time data, true visuals, and it's something that uh, exercises are looking to initiate and use. And it's these sort of things that you just can't put a figure on, but the outcome of something happening, failures to fit that are mitigated, it soon adds up. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we talk about value, and sometimes <laughs> we're thinking about value in a financial way, sure. but actually the value from Digital Twin is, and digitization generally is much, much greater than that. So you're just touching on safety there. Yeah. And you know, the value actually that digital bring to safety is enormous. And I think not always measured in that same way. Um, I think it's also interesting when we think about people and retention of people. And so making their lives easier, making their jobs easier, making it a job that they enjoy doing. There's a whole piece there around actually by digitizing what they're doing, you can actually engage people in a yeah. completely different way and retain them as well. So all these challenges we're facing as an industry, Digital Twin can support. Yeah, brilliant. Um, we, we touched a little bit earlier, um, but keen to explore this this whole thing about Digital Twin being more than just technology, but actually a, a cultural and business change catalyst. Uh, Rob, you touched about this in, in, in your presentation. I, I, I guess, you know, as you've walked that journey of of di using digital twin as, as that change uh, accelerator, what what lessons have we learned and, and how's that has that worked? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, we, we've obviously talked a lot about the data, and you know, for the data nerds, it's obviously a very easy easy place <laughs> to go. But uh, you know, as an engineer, maybe we're you know we're highly focused on some of the technical aspects, but actually some of the the softer areas are, are really really interesting as well. The, the people and and the process, right? And, um. And, you know, Amy touched on it really nicely, like that just making users' lives easier, it's it's a good thing. It, you know, it enables them to make better decisions and it, it enables them to bring more energy to their work, to be more focused, that they are all fantastic things that, that we can drive. And it's really, it's that intersection of the, the people, the process, the technology and the data. Somewhere in the middle there is where the value lies. And that it's, uh, you know, it can be an, an evasive little beast sometimes, that value, it'll, it'll move and shift depending on the situation. But um, I think it's an industry we're now sort of, I feel like we're turning a corner and we've started to realize that actually we can't just go hammering the technology button or hammering the data button. There's a lot of softer stuff that runs alongside um, that, that we really need to address. And for me, that's, you know, that's all about setting this, that, lasting sustained transformation that delivers value over over years and maybe a decade rather than over weeks and months. Amy, does that resonate with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the sustainable piece is key and we need to be back to what we're building at the beginning. We need to be building that in at the beginning. So how are we going to build a digital twin that will have a, a big bang impact and bring value, but that we will be able to sustain and will continue as we work in a changing environment as well. As things change, we need a digital twin to keep pace with us and we need the data that underpins that to also yeah. remain correct. Mike, your user adoption journey uh, within BP, how was that? <laughs> yeah, it was a challenge to begin with. We did focus on maintenance to begin with, a small lens into the data. But when we started building it up and it proven value, people could see it when they're walking past a desktop and you can literally see the platform getting orientated around. It's human nature to go, oh, something new it's something shiny what can it do for me and, and that's where the user engagement has built up i think we've got over 1500 users of the digital twin in the north sea alone uh, and that is just in the north sea we've got multiple twins across multiple regions within bp so the user adoption there the commitment from the organization has been brilliant as well and we can definitely see the difference that it's making uh the new platform uh, the new project in Mauritania and Senegal started off with digital twins as a focus yeah. and as a result everything's lining up perfectly we've got scanners on ships that are going to site just in preparation for getting it because they can see the benefits uh, especially in less uh, well harsher conditions where you are trying to reduce down man or it's harder to get someone offshore you can start utilizing this and then when you start walking about with a robot with a scanner on the back of it they'd start feeding into that and it's like right, how can we use that how can we get robotics and new ai feeding in our data that's represented in the system of insight and people can use more i think the focus with bp on training has been really lovely to see as in a really very focused uh, approach to training and making sure that users are well trained, that they're able to ask a lot of questions, that that support is not just a manual or a user guide, that they're actually people that they can go and speak to um, and be very open about, you know, how the system works and how they can make it work for them. That's actually enabled us to enhance the system as well, because it's begun those dialogues around, how do I do this? Oh, actually, it maybe doesn't do that yet. Can it do that? How can we build that in? So the training yep. piece I've been really impressed with. There's been a huge commitment to making sure that people are well trained, um, which yeah. I think has made a big difference. And, and I think that nicely loops us back to your iPad analogy, right? And I hear so often from people, why isn't it just, you know, why isn't the system so intuitive that anyone can pick it up like an iPad uh, and, and use it? Yes. And actually, uh, you know, I think it's because... Uh, Amy kind of touched on it there. It's about bridging the gap between, okay, I have this technological thing I never had before, but how do I actually put it to use in my day-to-day -day work? Uh, and I think that's the bit. It can be as intuitive as you wish, but that's still the bit we need to, you know, help guide users on that journey um, and, and really help demonstrate to them how it can make their life easier and deliver value through their work. Brilliant. I'm going to close this out um, for everyone that's a guest on our podcast this week, we've been asking the same question. And, and the theme for Offshore Europe is accelerating the transition to a better energy future. And my question is, what does that mean for you? Amy, I'm going to come to you first. Yes. So I have no doubt that digital can accelerate that transformation. The key is in transformation. So it isn't going to be a big bang change. If we want it to be sustainable 
and we want it to be accessible that we can accelerate and scale and grow then we're going right the way back to our data needs to be in good order we need our data standards in place it needs to be aligned to actual standards right across the industry so that the the data that we get in greenfield transitions into brownfield and we are trusted and secure around that data but it is also around being able to accelerate that as being part of people's jobs so they have to be the training piece is really important and i touched yeah. on that earlier but we have to be bringing people into the industry and making it part of how they learn to work within our industry that digital is just a core part of what they do so it's not looking to replicate what we've done before we have a huge um loss of great talent coming towards us where we've got people who are very far on in their careers and take with them a huge amount of knowledge actually how we make sure that some of that knowledge and data is accessible to people who are just coming into the industry digital will bridge that for us but it needs to be something that we really focus on in terms of how we set up our digital twins so that that's part and parcel of how they are used within the business brilliant mike what does your better energy feature look like as we can see with all the stalls and the engagement with people here. Technology is there. It is advancing. It can meet all the requirements of a digital twin. The appetite from organizations and people, the number of people here alone highlight that that's ready. But it is the question, is your data ready? And that's what ties in with Amy, getting your data right that underpins everything. You can invest in all the technologies, all the shiny tools, the training, but then if that foundations don't match up, can't interlink, that's one thing that you need to, to sort out first. Right. Rob, you get the last word? Yeah, so for me, you know, it's really interesting. The energy trans transition for me is, you know, at least in the short to medium term, a huge mix in terms of our energy sources as we go through this transition. And actually the level of decision-making that, you know, that big business will have to do that even we as consumers may need to do in terms of where we source our energy based on cost availability what the weather is doing is it sunny is it windy we have a huge amount of decisions to make uh, in actually establishing our energy mix at a given hour on a given day and digital is just such a huge part of that there is no way we as humans could continue to kind of do it the way we did it 20 years ago and and you know just have a few boffins switching levers um yep. that you know that needs to be a, a very dynamic uh and, and very um data driven i suppose um mix of energy at, at any point in time so um i think it's critical excellent folks thanks so much for joining us on the podcast it's been a pleasure to get your insights and to spend some time with you that brings our digital twin episode to a close and i'll thank you for your time thank you thank you thanks Colin. cheers